and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'm going to be talking about the very, very, very popular book, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. This book has been everywhere, winning all the awards. I actually got it because it was Book of the Month's 2022 Book of the Year. It won the the Book of the Year Award. I don't remember what it's called on Book of the Month, but this is not sponsored because I don't have any sponsors. But once you get 12 boxes from Book of the Month every year, you get a free book at the end of the year, one of the top five favorites from all of the readers. And this was one of the top, obviously this was the top one. And I passed on it. It, it says uh, this was one of the July options. So I passed on it in July instead getting The Bodyguard, which was one of my absolute favorite books last year. It's still weird to say last year because I'm recording this the second week of January, although you might not be hearing this until March. I have no idea. But anyways, I had passed on it thinking, it's so funny because I remember passing and thinking, I think this will be one of the book of the year selections, like one of the top five that I could pick from at the end of the year. And I'll just wait. And then it was, so I don't know, I guess I was just kind of psychic. Like, I just had a feeling. Who knows? What was that book I was reading that was like The Sixth Sense? Wilder Woman. Ah, I'm psychic. Just like one of the characters from that book, the older daughter, who I don't remember what her name was. But anyway, so I passed on it. The internet was raving about this book. They absolutely loved it. And from the select, from the top five, I already had two of them. And then one was a thriller, and I don't remember what the other one was. And I was like, this is obviously what I'm going to pick. And so I read it. And unfortunately, I did not love it like all of the people out there on the internet. And and I don't know anybody else who's read this. At least nobody, I don't know if they have read it. Anyways, so I'm here to talk to you today about this book and about my feelings. And once we get to the discussion section, I'm going to explain why I think I didn't love this book. Now, it's not that I hated this book. And again, we're going to get into it later on, kind of all my thoughts, feelings, and opinions but it wasn't one that like, it's not going to be in my faves. If I'm trying to be um, chaotic and problematic and cause trouble for myself, I might put this on the worst book of the year list just to be like, not edgy, just not like other girls. I don't know. I like can't think of the correct word to describe that. But anyways, I'm going to get into all of that later on. Before I start with the plot summary, I must issue two things. First is a spoiler warning. If you don't want Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin to be spoiled, stop here. Go read the book. If you like video games or if you like stories that span like a lifetime almost, like 40 years, then this is a book for you. Or if you really like prose, then this is for you. If you don't like those things, this book is not for you. Just listen to this and you're going to get everything you need to know instead. And then also a trigger warning for abusive relationships. There is an abusive relationship that happens in the first part of the book. It's not between the main characters, Sam and Sadie, who actually are never romantically involved. But just so you know, that does happen and it is depicted. So if that is triggering for you, there you go. So without further ado, let's jump into the plot summary. So This book is about Sam and Sadie, who were friends when they were younger. Sam um, 
When he was a child, him and his mom got in a car accident and his foot got extremely mangled and uh, his mom ended up passing away in that car accident. And so he's in the hospital in so much pain, not really speaking to anybody. Sadie's sister at the time it has cancer, probably leukemia, although I don't really remember what kind of cancer she had, but I feel like that's mostly the kind that children get. And... So Sadie's in the hospital a lot also, and one day she's like, can I go to the game room? And this is in, like, maybe the 80s. And so she goes and finds Sam playing um, Super Mario, like the Nintendo 64 version, maybe. And so then she starts playing with him, and they become friends. And basically, Sam talks to her, and this is the first time he's talked to anybody since the car accident. So the nurses are like, will you come back and play with him again? And then... They basically, they end up, Sadie is Jewish, so they end up saying, like, this could count towards your community service for your bat mitzvah. And so she ends up, like, logging over 500 hours of playing video games with Sam at the hospital as community service, which is truly absolutely not. Sam ends up finding out about it, and the two of them then are not friends for about six or so years. We flash forward to them being, uh, I think, juniors in college. And... This is like where the book actually starts. I just told you their backstory. I'm kind of going to go chronological. And Sam is at Harvard and Sadie's at MIT. So they're in Boston. And Sam sees Sadie in a, what's it called? A subway stop. And she ends up saying like, hey, I made this video game for my class. Why don't you take a look at it and let me know my information's like on the disc or whatever. And so Sam ends up playing the game with his roommate, Marks, and is like, wow, this game is really cool. So they're like, okay, so they're, he's like trying to get a hold of her, but Sadie is not responding. And that is because we find out that Sadie made this game in a, like a video game making class run by this professor named Dov, who made this like epic video game, one of the best of the time called, I think, Dead Sea. It's about like this little girl and hunting zombies. I don't know. And then he was so impressed by her video game. She makes one called um, Solution, which is kind of Tetris-like, but it is also tying into the complacency of German citizens during World War II. And that's all I'll say about that. But he's impressed. And then they end up starting a romantic relationship when she finds, when Sam ends up finding her, he's just broken up with her, I believe. So Sadie gets super duper depressed and then Sam ends up like coming every single day which is hard because his foot is really bad and he has to walk there and he ends up like convincing her to make a video game with him like they become friends again and he convinces her let's make a video game so they're spending their summer before senior year creating a game which ends up being called Ichigo which is about a young child originally genderless and they get lost at sea And they cannot really read or write or anything like that. And they have to figure out how to get home. And uh, it is Japanese inspired. For them, it's just kind of by happenstance. Sadie has a print of like the the wave, the big, you guys know the real, it's the cover of this book, like the famous wave Japanese like print. And then I believe Marx is also Japanese and he ends up being their game producer because he lets them like live in his apartment that summer for free. And. I don't know, it just ends up being Japanese inspired and all of that. And they end up like having to get, they're like working on it, working on it. And then they like cannot get, um, I guess Sadie's like trying to make her own server. I don't see, I don't really understand this stuff, 
but they end up using Dov. So he ends up getting a credit and Sadie ends up dating him again. And then this time their relationship doesn't just have the weird power imbalance. This is where the abusive relationship comes in. Dov, like basically very bad BDSM etiquette this man has. He'll like handcuff her to the bed, slap her around, like ask her to do it to him. And she doesn't feel comfortable doing that. Like all this different stuff. And then uh, the video game ends up being a big success and they have two different options to go with. They end up going with the one with more money and they have to make a sequel. Sadie wanted to go with the other one, but Sam was like more wanting to do the money. So they do that and then they make the sequel. Neither of them really like it that much, but you know, it is what it is. And then Sam's foot's really bad. It's, it needs to get um, amputated basically. So they all move back to California, which is good for Sam and his foot in the surgery and for Sadie because she finally breaks things off with Dove. And Marks moves them back over there with his girlfriend, whose name I forgot. They And then they start up this company. And the next game they make is uh, called Both Sides, I think. And it's about, like, one side, there's this uh, sick girl in a hospital. And on the other side, she's, like, in a fantasy world, like, fighting demons or something like that. And originally, it was going to be bullying. But then they end up making her being, like, having cancer. So kind of being, like, um, Sadie's sister. But when they move to California, Sadie realizes that Sam must have known that she was dating Dove because basically at the time, so th this is where it gets like frustrating for me. So basically the way that they figure out they need to use Dove's server is Marks and Sam are like playing through a bunch of the video games because they're trying to figure out how to make the wave. And then they put in Dead Sea and they realize, oh my God, this is perfect. Like this already has it in it. And uh, at the time, they don't know anything about Sadie and Dove, but the CD case or something has like a message, like a loving message from Dove on it. And I like remember Marks being the one to pick it up and put it in and Sam being like, oh, what is this? For, but Sadie finds it and thinks Sam put it in. So Sam must have known and then sent her back to this abusive relationship. So then their relationship from there, they're like never actually friends again. So they make this game, both sides. It's a failure. Nobody really, it's like, real, like nobody really likes it. And the people that like it end up liking the side that Sam worked more heavily on. So Sadie gets mad about that. And then later on, she ends up dating Marks and they end up getting pretty serious. But then, so the next thing they end up making is the Maple World side, which was like the real world side of both sides, becomes really popular. So they decide to make a kind of like, not RPG game, but like a game where you make a character and you play around in the world of it. I don't know if that makes sense. And so in that world, they end up two other of their coworkers are gay and dating and whatever. And they're talking... At some point in at San Francisco, like, legalized gay marriage in, like, 2008 or something like that. I don't remember the year. And so they went and got married, but were only married for a month because then the, I think, Supreme Court was like, no. Because, you know, that was back in the day, really not that long ago. So then they're like, well, why don't we make anybody allowed to get married in Maple World? So then we flash forward and Sadie and Sam, Sadie makes this new game that's, like, theater crime Themed. It sounds actually pretty cool, but Sam and her are fighting because of marks and all this different stuff. And so then the two of them are out like touring, like talking about it. And Mark's at the office and this person shows up. These two people show up 
and he's basically like mad about he wants to speak to Sam Sam's not there so Mark tries calling him they have a gun basically they shoot Mark's and Mark's dies after he's in a coma for a bit Sadie's pregnant with Mark's child and Sam and Sadie then don't talk for like five to seven or eight years during that time Sadie gets extremely depressed which makes sense Sam ends up making a new game that's also kind of similar to the Maple World game but like it's set in like Oregon Trail times, which is like a throwback to like the beginning of the book because Sadie and her sister loved the Oregon Trail game and all this different stuff. And then she ends up figuring out this person she's been like chatting to in this game is actually Sam and gets mad, even though she knew it had to be him the whole time. Anyways, then at the end, somebody's like talking about like either making an Ichigo movie or like making a third game of it. And so the two of them are there. And they kind of end up reconciling and apologizing to each other and having it out. And then they're like, say, at the end, Sadie's like, here's something I've been working on. And it's called like game six because it would be their sixth game together. And that is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Honestly, I think I did pretty good there in that summary of keeping it short. Now, there are definitely more things I could have gone into. However, I didn't want to or care to. And I finished this book um, maybe like a week and a half ago. So my memory is a little fuzzy. As you can see, I didn't remember everybody's names. But the three people, the four names you really need to know are Sam, Sadie, Marks, and Dov. So there you go. So I think we should talk about the elephant in the room, my enjoyment level of this book. Now, I want to start this out by saying I didn't hate this book. However... Did I enjoy reading this book? Not really. So, yeah. Okay, so let me take you through it. So I picked out this book and then I flew home for the holidays. So taking you back to like the middle end of December. And I read about like 60 or so pages in the airport waiting for my flight. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I got home and I read maybe another 50 pages and I, at that point, within the first 100 pages, you find out that Sam and Sadie end up, like, not speaking for years and, like, are mad at each other. And I was just like, no, no, I don't like that. And so that was, like, one of my issues with the book is that these two, like, are mad and fighting the entire time. And I just feel like if I'm going to read a book, right, I'm reading for escapism. I'm not reading to be depressed. I'm not reading, like, you guys know I read a lot of romance. And now while romance can definitely have some hard-hitting issues, at the end of the day, there's a happy ending and they're generally kind of at least a little bit uplifting. I read a lot of fantasy and fantasy is obviously not, like, I read for fun. You guys know I don't read, I haven't read nonfiction in a long time. I don't read a lot of, like, gritty things I don't read like literature like lit lit what is that called literature fiction literary fiction I don't read that that often like you guys know these things about me if you've listened to this podcast before um if you're just here because this is a popular book um welcome and if you made it this far I'm a little shocked because I think that I don't know if I would want to continue listening to a an episode if I loved a book and the person talking about it did not. But if you're here, thank you so much for being here and I appreciate you and I hope you enjoyed this book more than me or at least enjoy this episode if you don't end up reading the book or both. I hope you enjoy the episode whether you have or have not read the book and whatever your enjoyment level was. Anyways, so 
I'd like to read for fun. And reading this was not fun because the two of them are fighting almost the entire book. And if I wanted to experience a dysfunctional friendship, I could literally just reflect on some of the friendships I've had in my own life and talk about that with other people in my life. You know what I mean? Now, I guess like in some ways I appreciated the idea of like, of per- so like basically this idea is that Sam and Sadie never date, although at one point when Sa- when Sadie eventually starts dating Marks, Sam is like, I can't believe I never made a move. I let her slip through my fingers. And then I think his grandpa is like, well, why not? did you never do that? And he's like, well, because we were such good partners. Like, we worked so well together and I never wanted to mess that up. And so there's this idea that, like, finding somebody that you work well with professionally is so much more difficult than finding a lover. That's, like, actually kind of like a line in the book. And how the two of them have something special because when they work together, they make really special games and things like that, which is true. And I like the idea of, like, that friendships have phases because I definitely find that to be true and that you can be close with somebody, have a big fight or not speak for a while, whether that be eight years, a year, a few months, whatever that might be, and then come back together and be friends again in the future. That's definitely possible. That's happened to me. I know that's happened to other people. So I liked that kind of element, but it was just like They were, this was like a 400 page book and they were enemies for 300 pages or at least Sadie was extremely mad at Sam for like 300, 250 of these pages. And I actually want to talk about that before I get back into my reading taste and like reasons why this book didn't exactly work for me. But this was something that like at by the end of the book, Sadie is meeting with Dov for brunch and has like they go to his wedding to some other woman at some point like before Marx has died and then like years later like seven years after Marx has died she's having brunch with um Dov and he ends up saying like I'm going back to Israel will you teach my class for me at MIT and she accepts and does that which is actually really good for her and also really cool but she's talking with Dov and Dov is like this is after she finds out Sam made this video game for her when she was depressed and like whatever and Dov is like you had to know it was him like he gave you all these really obvious clues like all this different stuff Like, why are you mad at him? And he's like, you forgave me. Why can't you forgive Sam? And I also have many questions about this for a few reasons. First of all, as the reader, I'm like 98% sure that Sam was not the one that like read the thing on the game. Okay, I'm going to pause this. I found where it is and I got to know if I'm right or not. Okay, so I guess I remembered it wrong. Sam is the one who finds it. But when he finds it, there's absolutely no mention that anything on the CD says that it's from, like, that there's a loving message from Dov on it. Later, when Dov comes over and is, like, playing through the game before they, like, give him, he gives them his gaming engine or whatever, Mark says, didn't you know that this is her ex? And Sam was like, no, I had no idea. And Mark's like, how didn't you know? And Sam said, we didn't talk about those sort of things. And then... Mark's like, well, don't you think it's a little bit of abuse of power? He was her professor. And Sam's like, I think it'll be fine. So I guess I misremembered it in some ways. I do not necessarily think Sam was so cruel as to leverage this or that he wanted Sadie to get back into this abusive relationship. Like, I think knowing I don't that Sam didn't know any of those things. I think it's hard for Sadie to like, I think it's hard for me 
to sympathize as much with Sadie for being mad at him. Like, she didn't really have to date him again, although I do understand the, like, falling back into your bad habits pattern of things. So, I think that it's, I think that it's, like, makes sense that Sadie is mad at Sam about some of this, but the fact that she, like, literally never forgives him, but then forgives Dov, who, like, handcuffed her to a bed and, like, hit her and bruised her and, like, this other stuff and, like, one time gave her a golden shower, like, that she could forgive him for all of these things and the fact that he was cheating on his wife the whole time with her, like, all of this stuff that she could forgive him and be his friend later on, but, like, couldn't forgive Sam, who was, like, mostly a good friend to her. That, to me, just, like, I didn't like that. That, like, that didn't feel super believable to me that you forgive your abuser but not your friend. I don't know. Although I will say that Sam and Marks could have been better friends to Sadie for sure because the two of them absolutely noticed the bruises and the marks from the handcuffs and the this and the that. And while they make some sort of, they never do too much about it. They'll ask her like, are you okay? And she'll just say, yeah. And then they don't do anything about it. And I do not love that. Um, I actually quite hate that. I think that if you notice those things about your friend, it doesn't matter that the person they're with like is low-key associated with your game and your business. Your friend goes first. So I do not like that about that. But I did just find it a little unbelievable that Sadie forgives her abuser, but not Sam. I have not read any reviews about this book at all, like on Goodreads, but I'm actually really tempted to look at them after I record this to see if other people have feelings about that. But let's get back into the, like, my feelings about this book. So, like, one thing is that that you need to know. So, like, I don't think I explained this very well, but, like, the end of the book is kind of, like, today time so that means the 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 majority the majority of the book is taking place in the late 90s and the 2000s with the little bit in the 2010s so like it's talking about and like when they're children it's in the 80s so like it's talking about the video game industry and video games from back then there are some fake video games like all the ones they make up and then one that dov it makes as well aren't real but the rest of the games that they talk about are all real games as far as I know. And I am not a big video gamer. Yes, I do love Mario franchising. I, you know, I grew up in the time of the, of the Wii and the Nintendo DS. So, you know, I was playing Super Mario, Mario Kart, all that different stuff. But like, I'm not a video gamer. On the PC, the only PC video game that I play is The Sims that I've ever really played is The Sims. Zoo Tycoon. I used to play Zoo Tycoon. But like these are not like the games that they're talking about. And so there was a lot of really in-depth conversations about video games and gaming and things like that that just went right over my head. And that if this was about a partnership working in some other industry that I actually like care about and knew more about, maybe I would like this book more. But like combining the fact that I was mad at the two main characters for most of the book because of their actions and all of that with like a topic that I don't know very much about, uh, it, it was hard. So, but I do think if you like video games, like if you're a gamer and especially if you're like 10 to 20 years older than me or even older than that that this might really work for you because like you could reminisce and you know what's going on in these so I I'm not like saying that this is a bad book or people shouldn't read it but it's just like not something that works for me 
And the other thing I realized as I was making my way through this story is that I don't like stories that are like epics that are span over a lifetime or over 40, like I think this one spanned about like 40 years or 30 years, something like that. I like a book that is contained to a few weeks, a few months, a year, even a few years, like if it's something like a fantasy or something like that. But for something to last from when they're 12 to when they're like 40 something, it's not for me. And I was thinking back on it and I was like, it also is making sense why some of these other books that are like acclaimed like didn't really work for me. Like I was thinking about how I read Circe at the beginning of last year and how I wanted to love it, right? It's beloved. People love Circe and it just didn't work for me because I didn't really like Cersei and I didn't care. Like it was set over hundreds of years. So it just felt so long. And this is the same thing. I didn't really care for Sam and Sadie because they're not really likable. So in some way, they're very human, which is great because they're flawed and they're this and they're that and they feel like real people and like they make choices real people would make. But on the other hand, to be that like, if they were at least getting along and these were the characteristics, I think I would like the book more, but they're fighting throughout so much of it. And people are like, this is a book about friendship. Well, if it's about a dis dysfunctional friendship, then sure. But like when I read a book about friendship, I want it to be like good. Like I want it to be a good friendship, like healthy. And that just isn't really the case in this book. Like, yeah, I it's great to have a book about friendship instead of romantic love. I think there should definitely be more of them. But like, that's not really what's going on in this book, in my personal opinion. Everybody else has described it about like a friendship love story. And like, if it's a friendship love story where they're good friends for about 100 pages, not speaking or enemies or not liking each other for another 200, like 80 pages and then sort of make up in the last 10, then sure, there you go. But like, that's not what really what I'm looking for. And so basically what I've realized is that epic lifelong stories with unlikable characters are not for me. And so I think that's why I didn't like this book. It's why I didn't really like Cersei. Thinking back even further, I read, what was that Britt Bennett book I read? I don't remember, but that was also nobody's very likable in that book. And it spans like over the course of a lifetime of these sisters. Like it, it doesn't work for me. It does not. It just doesn't work for me. And I'm glad I finally realized that because I can stop picking stuff like this up. That's not to say, like, I'm trying to think of another book with, okay, so here's something, like, a book about unlikable characters. Like, I also didn't like the Dava Shastri book, and that, those people were not very likable, and I think that's what was doing it for me. And in all of these books that I've talked about, they're very, like, prose-heavy versus dialogue, like, very much, like, especially with Cersei you know, the purple prose, descriptive language, like all this, like I've just realized that doesn't work for me. And when I think about on the flip side, when we were bright and beautiful by I think Jillian Madoff that I read last year, those characters are extremely unlikable, but I really liked that book. And I think that's because it was A, much shorter than these books. B, the writing style was exact, the exact sort of writing style that I really enjoy. And it was like snappy, fast paced. And it's also different in that it's like, the storyline was very different in that book of like kind of like a legal family drama versus like 40 years of friendship professionalism stuff. So I think that's part of it. But I'm so that's not to say I'll never read a story that's set over the course of 40 years again, 
because I'm sure I'll get suckered into doing it at some point. However, I don't think they're for me, and that makes me very nervous to ever read Daisy Jones and the Six or The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, because those are also extremely hyped up like these other books have been, like the Circe and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And they also take place over a long period of time. So I just don't know if those are going to be for me, if I'll ever read them. It makes me nervous knowing this about myself. So I have a few other things I want to talk about as we enter the ending section, I guess, of my, as we get near the end of this. One thing is the the redeeming part of this book for me was Marx. Marx was my favorite character. He was a great friend to Sam throughout the entire thing. He was really good at his job and good as a middleman. And he was a good partner to Sadie as well while they were like dating and together. So when Marx died, I was like, all my hope for this book is now gone. I was so upset when he died. It made me so mad because I was like, no, not my favorite character, Marx. He was just so likable, a great friend. Like, because he's like a side character, he's not one of the two main characters. Maybe that's why he's more likable because you don't see him as flawed. But I liked him. He was the best character in my opinion. Everybody else, no, that's not true. Every that because there's some other side characters who I didn't talk about who are also good and interesting characters and people. But Marx was my favorite. I liked when he was introduced. I was like, okay, cool. This is just Sam's like college roommate. And then you realize he's like going to be a major player throughout the rest of the book. And the more we got from Marx, the more I liked him. So I was very upset when he died. And two last things. There was a really interesting semi-conversation about appropriation and cultural appropriation in this book. So Ichigo, like I mentioned, was based off, it had very Japanese uh, cultural influences and vibes. And that like Ichigo looks like he could be Japanese and they're using some Japanese culture and imagery and the this and the that. So then there's like, at the in the first like 150 pages there's like snippets of like interviews from Sadie and Sam like in the future that they give about things that are going on here in the past and they talk about like there's an interview with Sam and somebody else about if Ichigo was cultural appropriation and Sam's talking about like at the time nobody was talking about that because they were making it in the 90s I believe and that they just like really liked that stuff so they used it and like they're, Sam is half Korean, half white, and he's like, if I was half Japanese, we wouldn't be having this conversation, this and that, whatever. And I thought it was like, that's a very interesting conversation because it reminds me a little bit of the conversation that has been going on in the book community about like own voices. If you don't know what own voices is, it's basically this, it's not as popular anymore, but it was like how a lot of books were marketed, where if it was a book about a black character, it was written by a black author, they would say this is own voices. If there was a book about a gay character and it was written by a gay author, that's own voices, things like that. But recently that's kind of come under scrutiny because there's this question of then should and can white people only write about white people? And also this is like, especially so like, yeah, there's some of like the race and ethnicity sort of stuff coming in. Like, can you write, a, can you have a main character who does not look like you? Is that appropriate? And with own voices, the answer is no. And then the other thing is that uh, this is especially apparent with the conversation going on around Becky Abertali, who wrote Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, I believe, or um, which got made into the movie Love, Simon. And so... 
And then there was another book called Leia Off the Beat, where the main character is bisexual, I believe. And so, like, Becky Abertali was, like, writing these books that were about LGBTQ characters, and she got harassed on the internet because she was married to a man and everybody just assumed she was straight. And she basically got harassed into coming out as being bisexual. And she was like, as I was writing some of these earlier books, I didn't know what my sexual orientation was. And then now I feel like before I'm truly comfortable and like want to talk about this, I'm being forced by the internet to come out because of this bullying that I've been receiving. So like now people like marketing as own voices when sometimes, especially when we're thinking about books about LGBTQ characters, authors could be in the closet, authors could still be figuring out their own sexual identities and things like that. And so this, so that part of the conversation doesn't really relate to Ichigo, but like the cultural appropriation and can people from different cultures make or write things about people that don't look like them is an interesting question without a really easy answer. Because if you're saying no, and then you have all these white people only writing about white people, then we're talking about why aren't their books diverse? But then if they make them diverse, it's like... There's not really an easy answer to this. If you're interested in kind of like a more in-depth discussion, I would recommend these two videos this booktuber named With Cindy did. She did one on The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which is by V.E. Schwab, who's a white author who wrote a book. But basically, in that book, everybody's white. And so people were criticizing that. And then, on the other hand, you have A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, which I actually read which was also their main character in that book is half like white British, half Indian. And then people were really, Naomi Novik is not Indian and people were very mad about that and that, that her character like had, basically then she was getting a lot of hate on that. So it's like, can you win? I don't know. And then Cindy goes into like a really, she really goes through it a lot and it was very interesting and very well done. So I'd recommend those videos if that's something that you're interested in. And finally, I must say that I believe in the future, Sam and Sadie do make a six video game together. And I think that their friendship goes through these same exact cycles. I think maybe they work better as partners than friends. And I don't, I don't know what to say about them. So that was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. If you have opinions on this book, please let me know. You can either send me a DM on Instagram at I read a book once blog, or you can email me at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. I would love to talk about this more with you. If you love this book, explain to me why I'm wrong. If you also had issues with this book, explain that to me as well. And I would like to end this off by saying I didn't hate this book. However, it was not for me. It was fine. It's nothing for me to write home about. And am I nervous to post this episode in the future? Absolutely, because I know how beloved it is and I'm not trying to get a bunch of hate. So please be kind and do not hate on me. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can do any of those things, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps other people find my podcast and kind of brings me up on the ratings. And that would be really great. And I would love you forever if you did that. Next week, you will hear about Blackmail and Babinka by Mia P. Manasala. Will it be a mini-sode? Maybe. I don't know. I'm literally going to record it after this. It's a short book, only 250 pages. And so I don't think it's going to be as long as a normal episode, but I will be recording that and that'll be the next one that you hear. So with that, my name is Emma. This was I Read a Book Once and I'll catch you guys next time.